Hi, welcome everyone to Mama Pang's Parenting Podcast. Thanks so much, so much for joining me. Um, today's topic is talking to your kids about sex. And uh, I know this is a really important topic and I know it's also something that sometimes we find difficult. So uh, today's guest is really gonna help us out with that. I know it also may lead to more questions. So I'll share um, my email address, which is also in the links below. But just as a reminder, it's mamapangspodcast at gmail.com. So today's guest is Ellie Winia, and I'm so thankful that she's here to help us cover this topic. Um, she's a relationship therapist, has been since 1992. She's also a sex therapist, and she's done that since 2012. She's in a committed relationship since 1983. Um, she has one child, an awesome son-in-law, which is a wonderful thing to be able to say, and three wonderful grandkids, ages eight, four, and three. So Ellie, thanks so much for joining me on this topic today. Hey, thank you, Donna. It's really great to spend some time with you on this beautiful fall morning. Yeah, isn't it wonderful? First day of fall. Uh, it's 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 really smashing. That's sure. <laughs> I love it. Hey, um, let's just start off with why is it kind of difficult to talk to our kids about sex? Well, when I think about that, I think, you know, what was difficult for me? And especially I think about what was difficult for my mom and probably many listeners out there, parents, you know, what, what were we allowed to ask and what were we not allowed to ask? And yeah. I think pretty quickly we figured out what our parents were comfortable with and what they were not comfortable with. Um, I certainly didn't understand the anatomically correct words for all the parts of my vagina, like the clitoris, the urethra, the labia. I didn't understand that until I was probably married. Right, right. And you've really touched on an important uh, piece to this, which is, I've always said this, it's really important not to have those silly, cute names. Although I do think sometimes that makes it a little easier. Um, but to also, if you're going to do that, to still be able to use those anatomically correct words. Yeah. So, you know, I don't uh, necessarily think that there's a right or a wrong way. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit is, you know, we all have different values and we all have different comfort levels, which is why I think this is a very challenging subject for most of us to be talking about with children. Um, you know, so that's one of the things that I think we, that's where it's helpful to start is what are our fears? You know, what are we afraid of? And just understanding that about ourselves, you know, like taking your own inventory about the things that you're going to be really comfortable talking about and the things that are going to be very challenging. However, I do think um, it's very helpful to start where you're comfortable. And I do think most people are pretty comfortable with at least starting with anatomically correct language. Gotcha. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's it's just so helpful. I know, and my daughter would just be devastated, but 
I do share her on this podcast. And it, it's more about just silly names. I am notorious for coming up with goofy words. And but that's really about your playful spirit, though, Donna. Like, and, so, yeah. and I think that there, it's not like a judgment call. It's just, do they know both, right? Do they know, yeah. um, you know, that PP is urethra, right? Yes. And, yes. you know, and whatever, whatever it is that are some of the silly names, I just think um, it's important to look at that, but not necessarily be critical of that. Right. Well, <laughs> what I did is it has nothing to do with body parts, but I was called the refrigerator, the refrigerator. Ah. And this poor child was, I don't remember, middle school or high school. And <laughs> she came home that day and she's like, what have you done to me? <laughs> I really thought it was always called a refrigerator. <laughs> Well, that's pretty, that's pretty hilarious. I, I remember um, my mother uh, used to call, she's of Dutch descent, so her first language was Dutch, but, and this has nothing to do with the Dutch language, but she would call farts vinkjas. Oh. Because she just thought that was a nicer sounding name than a fart. There you go. So. And it, it is true. I love that because it's a great example of what we're comfortable with. And I so appreciate um, being able to help parents understand that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Well, I mean, I just think the main thing is for us um, along that line, just to, you know, take our own barometer at, as to what it is that we are comfortable with, because mm -hmm. the thing is, is that we want to be the place that is positive for our children to come to us as parents. Right. If it's not going to be us, then unfortunately in this, you know, fast growing media world that we live in, and especially with the accessibility that a lot of children have, you know, they're going to learn things on the internet and unfortunately, oftentimes through porn sites that are just not necessarily the best way. I mean, I don't think they're a good way at all for children to get information about right. sex because, right. um, you know, women oftentimes on pornographic sites are very submissive and are definitely not empowered. And it's all oftentimes about um, pleasing, pleasing. Mm -hmm. So, and that, that's definitely, at least for me, is not a message that I would want to be sending to girls. Right, right. And that, I appreciate you making that point, um, figuring out what you're comfortable with and then realizing where kids could be going if they don't feel comfortable talking with us. And we have to remember too, you know, that possibly that initial conversation, if we've started when the child is a bit older, it may seem really awkward. Mm -hmm. um, but you're still building that bridge so they feel they can they can talk to you. And when we look at where our comfort level lies, I think that's a really good moment to then go, okay, then if I'm not comfortable about um, the next piece of this, where do I go as the adult to help find information for my child? Mm -hmm. And that there are so many wonderful books and I can 
as well as websites that it would you like me to share those now? Oh, please. Okay. All right. So there's one book that I um, always go to. It's called Everything You Never Wanted Your Kids to Know About Sex, But Were Afraid They'd Ask. Oh, I love the title. (laughs) And it's uh, Justin Richardson, who is a medical doctor, and his partner, Mark A. Schuster, who is also a PhD and medical doctor. Then there's a really fantastic book by Deborah Hafner. And it's entitled From Diapers to Dating, A Parent's Guide to Raising Sexually Healthy Children. Great. Yeah. And then there's um, a very famous book. This is an older book, but it's one that is still uh, renowned in the sex education community. It's called It's Not the Stork, a book about girls, boys, babies, bodies, families, and friends. So those are those are some things to um, kind of I hope help your help your audience a little bit uh, with understanding some places where they could go. Um, another one is "It's So Amazing," a book about eggs, sperm, birth, babies, and families by Harris. Mm, that's fantastic. I I love having. Um resources that you're you're endorsing because i think again there are tons and tons of books and some of them are completely missing the mark um they're just not they're not building a comfort area around this discussion um so yeah having some some really good resources will help listeners a lot yeah and i and i have plenty more that you know if if your audience um asks specific questions later Mm -hmm. i would be happy to you know give more information that might be relevant to their questions so that's perfect why don't you go ahead and share a way that they can get in touch with you oh sure um, my website is www.elliewinia.com, and my name is spelled E-L-L-Y-W-Y-N as in Nancy, I-A. And that has all my information, ways to get a hold of me via email. It has my phone number, which you can text or call me on. So happy to be, happy to be a resource out there for you. Oh, that, that is perfect because, you know, I can cover things with parents, but I think going right to the expert um, is going to is going to create a lot of comfort for parents. You know, they want to go right to you, and I understand that completely. Um, so thanks for thanks for sharing that. No problem. Um, when we when we start talking to our kids, I have my own belief system. Um, I think it's very important, like you said, to start naming body parts when they're very young, so that it's just normal conversation. This is your body and it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to ask questions. But I think there's a little bit, um, since it's a, a, a little bit of a difficult conversation for some parents, there's a thought that you just talk to them once. What What's your take on that? How do you help parents with that? Well, I think, you know, when we are talking about sexuality, we aren't just talking about sexual intercourse. We're talking about our amazing bodies. We're talking about how we feel sensually. We're talking about how 
like lotion feels on our skin, which can be a sensual pleasure, right? So, you know, we're not, I think a lot of parents go right to like penis and vagina, but if we're talking about our amazing bodies and, you know, we'll just talk a little bit about being a girl, being a female. Um, One of the things that is really important is for our female children to be very comfortable with their anatomy. You know, boys with these grandsons I have, they, they're, um, you know, three boys and they have penises, which they're very curious about. And it's not just them. Every single boy is. And it's in Mm -hmm. part related to how their anatomy is, which is that they have a penis that's outside of their body that they can see and that they are holding every time that they're urinating, that they're Mm -hmm. often, you know, playing with in the bathtub or looking at because they're fascinated by it. And when you think of female anatomy, female, female anatomy is not that way. It's all hidden. Right. um, That is also very interesting because most of us really don't know what our vaginas look like. You know, there was a movement in the 1970s that was started by a woman who I really love. She's a very famous sex therapist in New York City. Her name is Betty Dotson. And she would um, have people actually look with a mirror at their vagina so that they would know what their vagina looked like. Now, Mm -hmm. that's not something I'm encouraging, but what I am encouraging is to at least have available literature out there for what an actual vagina looks like. Because like I said, you know, it's very difficult for girls to like really understand. And then they might not necessarily know how to, for instance, insert a tampon. Right. When they, you know, start menstruating. And, um, you know, that can be a very challenging thing and oftentimes a very traumatic thing, which is something I work with in my practice a lot. I have a lot of clients who come to see me because they're having pain during intercourse um, or, you know, they have vaginismus, they have other things that are happening on their pelvic floor. And, um, and in part, it often is related to not having a lot of practice to like really relax because they're not comfortable um, with their body and haven't been talked to in the way, in the frank ways we, you and I have already talked this morning. Right. Well, that's really interesting. That brought me to a thought and, and tell me if I'm way off here or if we've, we've hit a nerve and that may be another podcast. Yeah. Um, And I, I don't know this for sure, but I have this feeling that girls, women might be treated a bit more and might have issues with shame more than boys. A hundred percent. Of course. I mean, again, you know, like um, walking into my grandson's house, you know, they're talking about farting and burping and, you know, (laughs) I definitely don't remember when I was growing up, nor do I know a lot of like little girls who are talking about that a lot, unless maybe the whole family is comfortable with that. But that is, um, you know, they're, Boys are just very, very fascinated, I think, in general. Um, And then they have more self-esteem or 
assuredness about their body and body image than girls do. Um, absolutely. And I mean, and of, and of course, we all know this, that the media does a really yeah. terrible job of, you know, making us all think that we need to be 100 to 120 pounds. And, yeah. um, you know, and so, yeah, that is a very, very challenging thing. And definitely has a lot to do with how it is then that we are bringing ourselves into a healthy relationship, an emotionally, intellectually, physically, spiritually intimate relationship. Yeah, that um, that shame piece is really interesting. And I think one way to um, kind of mitigate that or, or cut it off at the pass is this open willingness to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like um, I, this might sound a little radical to some of your listeners. Uh, it's something that I talk about with my individual clients who come to see me for the issues I was just describing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just think there needs to be a lot more celebration around menstruation, you know, oh, is yes. like, like, I mean, it's such a big part of what, you know, girls eventually start doing sometimes at the age of 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12, you know, and, um, and of course, it's the way that we have babies. And if we are blessed to, you know, not all of us are, are able to, but if, if our bodies are made in such a way that we're able to um, have the blessing of actually carrying a child and giving birth to a child, um, it's, it starts with the menstruation piece. And, and so when there's no like celebration of that, it's just like, here's a pamphlet and, um, you know, here's some pads and this is what you need to be doing and to take care of yourself once a month. To me, that's, that is missing out on the other aspects of, of sexuality that are beginning to happen because most of us know that, you know, when our breasts start hurting, that's not a time where... Um, any of us in general want to be touched and also that our bodies can get more aroused at different times prior to menstruating. And so, um, you know, it's just none of us, if none of us are talked to about that, then we don't, then we don't, you know, have the correct information. Right. Right. And, And, you know, we can remember, Oh, it's the curse or whatever. And it's, we just need to get away from that. And like you said, create a, a celebration around it, a comfort mm-hmm. where it's not, not a negative. And again, I think that tags back around to shame and it's yeah. something, you know, Oh, well, we don't talk about and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think comes up for parents a lot is if we talk to our kids about sex they are going to be more um, interested in sex and have sex at an earlier age. Where do we go with that? Well, I think we need to first go to the research, you know, like for instance, um, a lot of this does not have to be reinvented. There are a lot of really good resources. And I was looking at the, what the world health organization was saying around this and the research shows that, it absolutely, there's no correlation between talking about who, how all of our bodies are different and even talking about any kind of questions that 
our kids are having about, um, you know, where do babies come from and what happens with when a penis goes inside a vagina is not going to lead to promiscuity. That is absolutely not the case. And, you know, and again, I think like, let's just look at this historically. Um, You know, we are born sexual people and we are all extremely sexually curious. And, um, you know, babies, people have been having sex prior to marriage or when they're, you know, teenagers and too young to really understand all throughout history. This is Mm -hmm. just an explosion that's been happening um, recently. So there, like I said, according to the World Health Organization, there is no correlation between those two things. That's great. Parents need to hear that. And then again, I mean, if they're worried about that, in a sense, I tend to lean towards back to the idea of you talking about it, you know, the parents being the ones to talk about it versus going to porn sites or anything like that. I think that's the part that might drive them more towards earlier sex than an actual conversation and comfort and building that information base at home. For sure. For sure. You know, I mean, sexual curiosity is just a natural part of any kind of curiosity. It's like, you know, we're sexually curious. We're also curious about food, you know, like, there's really, it's, it's, it's just another aspect of who we are in our bodies. And I think if we normalize it rather than having it be this big taboo subject, it would be as if we said, you know, like we are only going to eat steak and potatoes and green beans and that's what we're going to have. And we're never going to, as a family decide to like, explore different options, you know, and like learn to kind of taste different things and go to different restaurants. And, you know, that's basically what we are being asked to do around the issue of sex education for our children. But, you know, going back to something that you said a little earlier, Donna, it's not a one time conversation that is that 100% is um, uh, something that I think is important to get away from. There's a woman, her name is Dina Alexander, and she has a great website called Educate Empower Kids, and she's written some books, um, 30 Days of Sex Talks, and she has them for uh, three-year-olds to eight-year-olds, eight-year-olds to 12-year-olds, and 12-year-olds and up. And um, the thing that she talks a lot about is that you really only need to have five minute discussions. So plan for a five minute discussion and have a five minute discussion. And, and also don't read so much into what the questions are. Like if, if a child is asking a question around how our baby's born, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna have to be talking about the sexual act if they're three years of age. Good. Yeah. You know, and so it's all just about what you feel is age appropriate and what you feel is not, but still trying really hard to not avoid, like to, to not avoid the question, to answer the questions as positively as you can and to use some of the resources that I've named 
Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's lots of great information out there. That's perfect. I think it's it's important. I think you've hit on a, a point of we don't have to have that hour-long conversation um, going over every single thing we can think of. It, it can be done in those when the child is asking or when you think it's pertinent, maybe um, you're pregnant with a second child yeah. and it's natural curiosity and it doesn't have to be the whole sperm and the egg and the position and it just, right. it, where do babies come from? Well, right. inside a body and no, right. it doesn't have to do with going pee. Right. I'm you know, it's not a pooping thing. Right. It's a special area called the vagina and the uterus and that's where babies come from. Right. You know, the other thing that I think too is um, I was thinking a lot about animals and that I think that's a really great place to start. You know, when we were all living in a more agricultural setting, I think it was probably not even something people were asking about because they would see cats, you know, mating. They would see um, cows mating, they would see horses mating, you know, mm -hmm. and so I think our um, zoos are like a good place or animal planet, whatever it is that you, you know, don't mind watching with your children or bringing your children to as as a possible opportunity to when they see a little baby to have a great conversation. But now you're talking about an animal instead of talking um, about yourself and your and your partner. Right. And, and that's perfect. As a farm girl, I can totally relate to that. And there's a, there's a wonderful farm not far from us over, oh, I'm going to get the wrong city. Um, somewhere near. I think it's near Shipshawana. I think I know the one that you're talking about. Well, no, this is the opposite direction. Oh. It's over um, on the west side of the state. I want to say, oh. <gasps> I should have looked this up, but I didn't think it would come up. I want to say it's like Fair Oaks Farm. They they have billboards okay. um, along the highway. And it it's a wonderful place to go because they have a birthing center. Oh. And with that many cows, yeah. there are calves being born like almost every day, sometimes twice a day. Mm -hmm. And you can go in. They have a, a little auditorium seating you can go in with a group of kids, your child, sit and watch. They ask you to be quiet. And it is amazing. Right. And it's a great starting point. So I'm so glad you brought that up. That is that is really helpful. You know, and um, I think, I think uh, you know, like even talking about like, you know, whales and other mammals, for instance, or, mm -hmm. you know, and birds have a different way of producing their little chicks as well, you know? And so it's just about like normalizing it and fine and having this um, attitude of enthusiasm around the questions that are being asked and saying, you know, that's a really great question. Let's take a look and educate ourselves about how all different animals actually produce their offspring. Yeah, that's great. It's a learning experience for the parent too, probably. So yeah, yeah that's fabulous. Um, so let's go a little bit into what should parents be covering? And I know you said this is really age related, but can you touch on that again? Well, um, again, I think it really is about 
being open to whatever the questions are. I don't think it's about having the talk, but but more importantly, providing information, correct information when the questions are being asked. So it's more like allowing the child to be curious and that your household is one where when your child is curious about you know, whatever they're curious about, that you are going to help them find the accurate information about that and give them an answer that's within, like, within their ability to understand. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that let them be curious and have it be a safe place at home to be curious. That's huge. I think so. I think so. And I, and I think, um, you know, Again, it's it's really just about not freaking out and just remembering what your big goal is, you know. So I think our goal in general is to have protective information. You know, we want to ensure that our children understand that their bodies are their bodies and that other people don't, you know, touch their bodies without their permission. And um, I think our schools in general have been doing a really good job of that. Um, since I would say like the 1990s, um, that we have, you know, amazing bodies, like I've said a number of times, and we have to understand what our big goal is for, as a family, like what are, what is our goal? I mean, my, my goal with our daughter was I wanted to, um, and I hoped that the conversations that we were having were going to help her choose wisely so that she could be in a really great, you know, partnership with someone someday. And so um, that to me, I guess I would say was my husband's and my goal was we want to make sure that we are having conversations that help her understand that, like I said, emotional intimacy goes a long way into helping us feel like really comfortable with regards to sexual intimacy. Those two things in general go hand in hand. Right. That again, perfect to share all of that. Um, so what about the parent that's listening now that says, well, I didn't start when my child was young. Maybe they've got, I don't know, a nine to 11 year old. How do you help them go ahead and step, step into this? What would you say? Um, I guess, Again, I just find that to be a challenging question because I don't necessarily know their child and where their child is at. Um, That's a really good point. You know, so, and I don't know their values either. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that some people, you know, haven't talked with their children because they don't know what to say, but other people aren't talking with their children because they, they weren't talked to about it and they don't want to. So I think, I think looking at some of the websites and looking at some of the books that I've named might, might be a value. That's, that's, that's pretty much what I encourage people to do is like do the research. And if you need more um, websites and more books, then I can, I can definitely help with that. But I, that's a, it's, it's a challenging question. Sure. Well, and I think it's a good way to, that may be where a lot of listeners are, 
and that it's okay to reach out to myself or especially to you if they're in that situation so that you can personalize it and help them, you know, find where they're comfortable and, and go from there. So that's, that's actually great. Um, so we're going to kind of wind this down and I'm just curious, um, like what you might go, well, no, I lied. I have one more thought. Um, how do you suggest, or how does this maybe come up about contraception? I think for me, that's the one area that I'm not sure schools are covering. And so parents may be um, also a little concerned in covering that. How do you help parents with that one? Well, we have a wonderful resource in our community called Planned Parenthood. And um, so that if, you know, are you, is your question like where to go for good education around contraception? Or is your question more related to should we be talking about contraception? I think it goes both ways. I think it's, um, again, I think it circles back around to parents thinking, well, if I'm talking about contraception, I'm condoning early sex. Right. And if you're talking about contraception, from my vantage point, you are helping your teenager, hopefully your young adult, understand a way for them to be empowered in their body so that they don't end up being young parents, which is the reason why Planned Parenthood was formed. And they don't have to make the terrible decision of possibly terminating a pregnancy. Right. Right. Oh, that's, that is huge. Thank you. Um, I love that they are a resource and um, maybe right now it's been very politicized. Um, but again, it is just a, a fabulous resource for parents and for kids. Well, and, and it's all anonymous. I mean, I think that's, that's part of what I really love about Planned Parenthood is that, you know, you can go there for all kinds of information and any anybody at any age can go to get information about, you know, STDs or about um, birth control or whatever, whatever it is. And, and you don't need parental consent for that. That's great. Yeah, that is great. Well, okay. So let's wind down um, now. And again, I can't thank you enough for this. I know that Um, We've given listeners a lot to think about, but I think we've also helped create a comfortable environment so that as they have questions, um, they have resources, but also just making it something to normalize and to enjoy talking to our kids about. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be that super difficult. Oh my God, we had the talk. Right. Um, (laughs) We had the ongoing conversation. So what... um, what is a takeaway that you'd like to, to emphasize or leave with parents? I think um, the big thing is just remembering that every talk, every question is an opportunity for us to grow closer to our children. Mm, love that. Yep. That is huge. Um, creating that comfortable space and that, that great connection with our kids. That's something we all want. Mm-hmm. And this can be just another topic that that helps with that. Mm -hmm. And I think another one is that, you know, all of us come from 
different experiences of who it is that we are sexually. You know, one in four people have been sexually wounded in some Mm. fashion, right? So this is not always a very comfortable topic. And I think it's really important to be looking at that and giving yourself um, a lot of grace around what whatever it is that's happening for you that's prohibiting you from having the kind of deeper conversations. And also, I think it's another opportunity for us to um, really be talking about like sometimes, you know, some of us may have been sexually active when we were younger than we wanted to. And maybe our, you know, very curious eight, nine, 10 year old might be asking about that. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to be talking about, you know, we all make mistakes and having, and having that be normalized as well, that this isn't about having the perfect answer around, around, um, curious, very curious questions around sexuality. And it's also, uh, not about having the perfect past. That's great. That, that, um, self-care, that self, um, what's the right word there that, that just self-nurturing. Yeah. 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 Well, Ellie, again, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to try to make sure that your website is listed in the links below, but do you want to give that one more time? Thank you, Donna. Thank you. It's www.elliewinia.com, which is E-L-L-Y-W-Y-N as in Nancy, I-A. Perfect. Perfect. Well, listen, thanks again. And um, to all my listeners, be well. Thank you, Don.